Welcome to the CGOB Sports Show podcast. In this episode, we take a listen to what Kyle Walters had to say about free agency. Still many names to tick off the list. It'll be a struggle for sure, but interesting to see the process behind the scenes. And also, we will hear from Mike Benson, a great conversation with the Blue Bombers long snapper slash reserve linebacker who just re-signed with the team. He's got the Grey Cup. What's he doing with it? We'll find out on the podcast. Let us talk free agency. In the CFL, it begins in two weeks-ish from tomorrow. February 8th is when free agency begins. According to Ed Tate, the Blue Bombers began the offseason with 41 prospective free agents. So far, 26 still unsigned. 15, that means, have signed the dotted line. Most of them for a one-year deal. Zach Kolaris, Adam Bighill, Jesse Briggs, Shane Gauthier, Jackson Jeffcoat, Willie Jefferson, Jake Thomas, Mike Miller, Stanley Bryan, Jamarcus Hardrick, Pat Newfeld, Jeff Gray, Nick Hallett. And then, of course, you've got Mike Benson and Chris Kolakowski, who we had on the show last week. It's been a busy time. And we now... Got to hear from Walters. Took a break from his busyness to talk to the media today. And he was asked how negotiations have gone so far with the likes of Big Hill, Caleros, and others. Um, it's a grind. I would I would say it's a grind. Now, both those guys had the same agent, so there was a bit of, bit of overlap. Um, right. And, and a lot of the agent, you know, you, you try to focus on one and get the other one taken care of. So it's been a it's been a grind of a process and you, know, you kind of have an idea of what number you think is fair and you, and you go with, and it's uh, it rarely ever, <laughs> both sides rarely ever think that number is fair. Has anyone for sure said they're going to try free agency? No, not yet. We're still got, uh, what do we got a couple weeks tomorrow to, to figure all that out. And, you know, it's a fluid process where if you've got an offer in here and, and, uh, with a, with player A, that it certainly looks like you're a long way apart. That could affect maybe what the plan is for players C, D, and E, and down the list and down the list because we still got we still got a lot of names on that list that we're trying to work through. And depending on how depending how it goes, as I said, with one, it may free up some space with the other one. So it's a, it's a very fluid process on a daily basis. So when you see a list of 41 names to start the off season. How do you start attacking that? Well, that was the first meeting at, at, with the coaching staff before, uh, you know, right after the Grey Cup. We sit down and, um, as I said to the to, to Buck and and to Richie and the position coaches, was the the if 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 everybody wants fair market value, there's no chance we're going to be able to re-sign everybody. So let's go through a uh, a priority list from each side of the ball and see if we can get these ones knocked off and. Um, go from there. And then as, as I said to Paul there, depending on how those talks go, uh, how much money is freed up for the, for the guys maybe that are left or, um, you know, in the pecking order. So it's, uh, it's certainly a group effort, Ed, to figure out exactly who the core guys are um, and start trying to get them knocked off and see what, what that costs. And that's, that affects every other decision that's made and still is. 
So lots of big names still unsigned. Maybe at the top of the list is Andrew Harris. How are negotiations with him? Yeah, ongoing like everybody. I mean, Mike, Mike and Andrew had a good talk last week that, uh, that I'm not going to get into the specifics of it. But, um, you know, there's, there's a lot. There's a lot of moving pieces on the go right now. And there's still a lot of decisions that need to be made between now and, uh, you know, now in training camp and short term, February 8th when free agency starts. And then, you know, right up until training camp. He's also asked if there's room for Harris, Oliveira, and Augustine in that backfield. That, that would be a tough one like financially and you know realistically I don't, I don't i don't see how that would work maybe you never know never say never but probably not okay how about negotiations with brandon alexander yeah he's another one you know brandon boy the richie and and jy and, and james when they when they made the decision uh in 19 to switch brandon over to free safety you, you see the impact that's had on our team uh, and I, I agree with you that the most impactful free safety, you know, in the, in the CFL over the last, certainly last year, and he's a leader and all the stuff that you hear Adam, Adam Big Hill as a leader, um, his, his cohort or par- partner in that is, is Brandon Alexander. So, um, you know, I haven't, uh, haven't got into it too terribly much yet with the receivers and the DBs, but that's the next, uh, that's the next group that we'll start trying to tackle in regards to getting guys knocked off. But we anticipate Brandon being back as a bomber again. Good news. They anticipate him being back as a bomber again. He mentioned that the skill position players are next on the list. So explain then why most of the signings have been in the trenches on the line, either side of the ball. You saw it that becoming increasingly difficult to find offensive tackles and pass rushers anywhere in football. So, you know, it's, it's not, it's no disrespect to the skill position guys. It's just come a training camp. It's there's more, there's more options available at, at the skill positions than there are at in the trenches. It's just the, it's just a fact all across any football league. So, um, you know, but we, you still need some guys making plays. So we, we, we've got some money allocated for those type of guys for sure. But, you know, with Kenny being the top for agent and him not ready to commit to anything yet that we're sort of wait, waiting on him to, to sort through the NFL before we figure out the plan. Yes. Kenny Lawler has had a workout with the Falcons who recently signed DeAndre Alford as well. So waiting to see what the deal is with him. And so he was asked if the receiver room will look different this year with the uncertainty about Lawler and pretty much everyone else also being a free agent. Yeah, that's, as I said, that's the the big headache right now is, you know, kind of waiting on Kenny to see, you know, you got that dollar value earmark that you hope might get him done. And and depending if he signs or doesn't sign. And and then, yeah, certainly Rashid had a breakout year and and, and you know, they they would like to be paid accordingly. And, and, you know, you said Darwin's a veteran guy. So it is a, you know, that's, that's one of the spots where I, you know, you could see some change and, and yeah, you need your scouting department to, to come through and, and find some young players to come in. I think that's just the, you know, you know, we've, we've built our team along the lines of scrimmage and, 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 you know, we'll, we'll continue to do so, but it's pretty difficult to, to, as I said, to pay everybody the fair market value that they deserve. Back to the difficulty finding linemen. One of the linemen they found, drafted, developed, Drew Desjarlais, has been getting a ton of looks in the NFL. So is he expecting that they won't have his services in 2022? It, just based on the number of 
workouts. The, the requests have just been coming in and I'm, I'm guessing 12, 13 workout requests for, for Drew over the, over the past month. Um, and generally when the numbers are that high, somebody will sign them. So, you know, I haven't, uh, I spoke to his agent just the other day about how things were going and he said the workouts are going pretty well. He was pretty drained from flying all over the place. So, um, yeah, I, I, you would think Drew's going to get him, get an offer from down there and, and it's, you know, you can't replace him. You, you know, he's, he's, he came in and he's all he's won a, won a starting job as a Canadian O lineman halfway through his first year and, and established, established himself as, as a, one of the best guards in the game. And, um, you know, I think somebody like Jeff Gray, who's been working and grinding and, and um, is ready to, to step up and play. And, and, you know, Liam Dobson, who we drafted last year, I think if, uh, if he doesn't get an NFL shot, he'll come in and be able to compete. So, you know, the, the, you can't replace Drew, but we have some pieces in place that we'll try to, that, that'll, that we'll need to step up. Forgive that little dingling. For some reason during the recording, that happened a couple of times. It's on my end. I was, for some reason, I wasn't touching anything, but I guess the cable was finicky. That, but whatever. Forgive me. That's all I ask. So we'll leave on this note before we come back with more. Losing DeJarlay to the NFL, potentially offered to the NFL. Jonathan Kongbo signing a deal with the Broncos. Perhaps Kenny Lawler. Is there frustration when you find these guys and then they go south of the border? When you look at the American end of things, so this is always the debate of that uh, that that window where, and this, I've sat and listen to Jim Pop and Wally and Huff and, and all like for years and years, you've heard the discussion of um, the frustration is you, you sign, you scout, you sign a player and a young American player. Uh, and then he's gone after one year after working so hard. Um, so don't let them, you know, close the NFL window versus, you know what, it just helps recruit more players. The other argument would be, well, for, you know, it, it, it's an easier sell to the agents sign this contract. And if you have a good year, you're going to go to the NFL because you know, a lot, most of the young Americans that come up here think they're going to go right back to the NFL. And the reality is it's, you know, it doesn't, it, it doesn't happen quite as often as they think. So, you know, it's uh, and I get both sides, you know, <laughs> it's frustrating now because we did lose, you know, we lost a good young corner to the NFL, but you're happy for them. Um, you know, and, and it helps us now kind of sell that for the next group of young Americans coming up. Um, for somebody like Drew, for the Canadians, I mean, that's an unbelievable story. And, and we saw it with Jonathan Conbo and, uh, as well, where, you know, I think it just means, you know, we're, we're, we're drafting good players and, and the coaches are coaching them up and you, you're happy for those guys. And, and again, it just, from the Canadian end, it's like, okay, well, I think we just keep trusting in the draft process because we're, you know, we're finding decent young players and, and, and if they go on to the side of the NFL, I mean, that's good, good for them, good for our league. And, and in, in Drew's case, good for you sports. I mean, he come, he came from a, a program at the university of Windsor that, that didn't do a lot of winning and he shows up and, and, you know, wins two great cups and is on the verge of signing the NFL. So that's a, that's an awesome story for him and hopefully can, you know, provide some, I don't know, hope or a, a blueprint for a lot of these other you know, young Canadian kids playing at youth sports schools that maybe aren't a Western or a Montreal, Laval, or SAS, some of the bigger programs that keep working hard and, and you can get your shot as well. Talked about the cap. Does he know what it will be even? 
And how tough does that make it to bring everyone back? Yeah, well, we've been certainly given some guidance, but no, with the CBA expiring, we'll, you know, we'll have to wait and see um, how that, what the, what the final number is when, when it's agreed upon between the union and, and the league. So, but we've been given a working number to plug away at. And, you know, to your point, yeah, it's, I said this the other day that you can make the case that it's a little, it's more challenging now trying to keep this group together than, you know, maybe a few years back where when you look at your, we you look at your spreadsheet and, and you've got names and you got holes on there just because players aren't good enough. So you go start targeting some free agents. Well, this is, this is more challenging because, you know, we like all the players on our team. I, I mean, you look at you look at the group of, of uh, on that list, and it's like, well, how do you make it all work? And and it's it's virtually impossible. It's virtually impossible, as I said, for everybody to get what's fair market value. And and you're going to have to move on some players that are good um, because you just can't piece. You know, you can't piece it all together. So you know, you're trying to, as as we talked about earlier, you try to figure out. You know, prioritize prioritize who you have under contract. Potentially, if you leave, what's the replacement? How can you, you know, from a scouting standpoint, what potentially could could be replaced by scouting? What potentially could be replaced through the draft? And you make some very difficult decisions, not because you don't think that player is good or that you don't want them on the team, because you just it, it, it's impossible to make it all work. So it's it's a big challenge. Winnipeg Blue Bomber General Manager Kyle Walters. Again, free agency opens two weeks from tomorrow on February 8th. We turn our attention to uh, the latest Blue Bomber who has signed to stick around for 2022. Dad is long snapper Mike Benson. He's a Winnipegger. He's now a Great Cup champion. And he joins us now on the CJOB Sports Show. Mike, how are you doing tonight? I'm great. How are you doing over there? I'm doing well. Did your uh, career ever cross paths with Mike Riley? It did. I actually, I played with him in, I think, 2012, 2013 when he was in Edmonton. So I started, I started my career in Edmonton in 2012 and I'm, he was the backup actually, I think, or maybe 2013, but I did, I played with him one season in Edmonton for sure. But you know, when you play 10 or 11 seasons like we both have, you cross paths a couple times and everything kind of blurs into one. But I did play one season with him. I know that for sure. I'm sure as a long snapper, you probably don't deal with quarterbacks too much. Well, I mean, you'd be surprised because when it comes to the field, the field goal side of things, you you usually work with the quarterbacks because they're the holder. You know, they got great, great hands. And if something forever goes wrong, you know, knock on wood there, um, they're able to throw it. So Actually, yeah, I've worked worked quite a bit with the quarterbacks and built some good relationships in my time. So, of course, of course. So let's talk about your new deal with the blue and gold. <laughs> Was there any hesitation for you wanting to come back for another year in Winnipeg? Oh, I don't even think hesitation is in my vocabulary when it comes to uh, to re-signing with the hometown. Um, you know what? I'm just I'm happy to be back playing for the home city, playing for the good guys again for the second year in a row, and uh, doing my part to help get uh, get that three peat. How did it feel to be a part of a Grey Cup champion team in your hometown last year? Oh, I mean, the the roller coaster of emotions that I went through from, you know, you grow up being a fan of the Bombers, like any any football player from Manitoba or Winnipeg, and you're growing up, you're obviously going to be a Blue Bomber fan, you know, born and bred. And then being able to sign with the hometown team and finally 
you know, play at home in front of family, friends, and, and everyone that I've kind of known growing up is just amazing. But, you know, to get that first Grey Cup win um, and, to, and to have it with the hometown team is just, it's an absolute dream come true. Um, you know, like it's tough to, to find the words to describe it, but it was just, it was a, it was a, a experience I'll obviously never forget. And being able to, to share it with my newborn son and, and my fiance and, you know, my mom and all my friends back home, it's just, it's been an amazing experience. It feels like so long ago that y'all won the great cup. It was just over a month ago, but so much has yeah. happened in the world since December I mean, 12th on, of 2021. Uh, I know. I mean, there's a lot going on and I guess we're, we're on COVID time kind of, right? So everything, everything's a big, you know, mush up together of deja vu and groundhog's day and everything all rolling into one. It kind of feels like we're on repeat, but uh, you know what? It does feel like, it feel like it's been an age ages ago ever since, but I mean, you know, beginning of December is only two months ago, right? Or a month and a half ago. And a lot of stuff has happened since, but it's been, it's been an amazing experience to be able to bring the gray cup around the city and share the, I actually have the gray cup right now, sharing it with my family and my friends. It's just been amazing. Okay. So I'm going to have to ask, so where is it physically like beside you right now? It is physically right beside me. Like my best friend. (laughs) Do you ever get tired (laughs) of touching it, holding it, looking at it? No, I, you know what? I don't, I don't think so. I think, uh, I think my fiance might be getting a little bit jealous at this point. Um, but, uh, it's not going to get old. I'm going to soak it in as long as I can. I can tell you that. Right. And for you, someone who's been in the league a number of years, as you mentioned, you first signed in 2012, a decade later, you get to taste this. I mean, I'm sure that makes it all the more sweeter that it took so long to get it. It does. You know what? It, uh, 10 years is a long time to play, to play any sport. And, yeah, it might have taken 10 years, which is a long time in a pro athlete's book, but there's, I wouldn't change it for, for any other thing. You know, I, this is the team that I'd want to win if I had to choose, and I'm glad it happened this way over any other way. So what is planned for your celebrations with the Cup, or what have you done already? What's still to come? Well, I had, uh, I had my, fam- my close family over yesterday for dinner, and I actually didn't, didn't tell them that uh, – that the Grey Cup was going to be at my house. They just kind of showed up. It was on the dining room table, and they're like, what a nice centerpiece. That's pretty neat. Uh, what is it? But, you know, they're joking. My, <laughs> my, uh, my family's been diehard blue and gold fans my entire life. My uncle, who was my godfather and, and, you know, has been around my entire life, one of my best friends. is He's been a Grey Cup – or he's been a bomber season ticket holder for 28 years. And um, this is the first time he's ever seen the Grey Cup. So it was, it was emotional, just like very special night. Uh, and to be able to share it with like my family and friends, it was, it was spectacular, but you know, I just, nothing crazy, you know, just had the family over for dinner, me and my nine month old son, we've been playing around with it a lot. He's been, you know, standing up on it, holding it, using it as a support. And, you know, the pictures are cute as heck. And these are just memories that I'm going to cherish for the rest of my life. I know some people like to eat out of the Stanley Cup and the Grey Cup or drink out of it. Anything along those lines planned? I know Jackson Jeffcoat said he dipped uh, nachos and queso in the Grey Cup when he had it. So, I mean, yeah, there's been some nachos in it. I uh, may or may not have had a bowl or two of uh, Cinnamon Toast Crunch about 30 <laughs> minutes ago out of it. Um, <laughs> might, have, might have had my coffee in it this morning, you know. It's just... Uh, not only is it beautiful, but I mean, it's a great cup. You know, it's got to be at least a 30 ounce cup, right? So it holds quite a bit of whatever you want to put in there. And 
so yeah, if, if, you know, I've had cereal, I've had a little bit of coffee out of it. And you know what? I think, I think I'll give them a break after this, but you know, it's just great to have beside me. A very versatile kitchen uh, utensil for you. Yeah, exactly. You wouldn't, you wouldn't think so, but you know, it is a, it's a versatile tool for sure. And it's a great centerpiece. You can pretty much put whatever you want in it. <laughs> so how long do you get it for? Um, I got it yesterday and I have it until the end of tomorrow. So, you know, the better half of almost three days, which has been an amazing experience. And, you know, I'm sure, uh, I'm sure my fiance is happy to have the bed back now that the gray cop's going to be kicked out of the house. So, (laughs) (laughs) so do you know who's getting it next? Is there a, is there a a hard written plan for it? I, I believe he has a ticket out to the East coast punched. So uh, he'll be he'll be heading out, I think, to Toronto, and then after that, he'll be going to New Brunswick to visit Jake Thomas and Mike Miller. Nice, that's awesome. So, uh, for yeah. you then, now looking ahead to the to the season, you know you're coming back to Winnipeg. There's no hesitation. What does a training regiment look like for a long snapper? Well, I mean, you you mentioned long snapper, but I I also play linebacker, so I train exactly like a linebacker would be training. I'm right now I'm going through a max strength phase, a lot of heavy lifting, a lot of heavy barbell stuff. Um, just trying to keep in shape like cardiovascular wise too. So a lot of, a little bit of light running, but you know, majority right now is just a lot of like heavy weight lifting. Um, and then, you know, as the months go on, I'll slowly start to work more on speed and agility and, you know, some position specific stuff. But, uh, you know, I train, train like a linebacker. So speed and a lot of strength stuff. And, uh, I love it. Do you get to go to the stadium to do that, or do you have a home setup? Um, I do a little bit of both. I actually, um, we've got a gym in St. Boniface. I'm a strength and conditioning coach. Um, so I work a ton with athletes in the off season and I, I create my own programs. And I'm lucky enough that um, we have a, a larger garage at the house. So I actually put a full gym at the house. Everything you can think of that you need to be an athlete, I have. I see a lot of my clients at the house, which is fantastic. And I do all my training here as well. Well, that's a nice little uh, side project you got then. It is. It is. It's a nice little. It's a nice little side gig to uh, to take your passion and to, well, to take my passion from, you know, becoming you know an elite level athlete and and being able to to make other you know aspiring elite level athletes you know pursue their goals. It's it's a great feeling. So you mentioned your linebacker, of course, also a long snapper. Do you have to practice long snapping during the off season, or are you just chucking the ball between your legs at the garage door? Yeah. Well, I usually, uh, I'll go to the gym and, uh, we've got about 20, 25 yards of turf at the gym. So I have a snapping net and, you know, every once in a while, I'll just, I like to call it dart chucking. I'm a certified dart chucker. And, uh, you know, I'm just aiming for targets on the net. There's, there's three different targets, you know, one for field goal, one for punts. And, you know, I just, I work my craft and, you know, when I get, you know, very consistent, I'll snap a few balls and then I just shut it down for a bit. So it's kind of like uh, what a golfer would do in the off season. You know, they go hit balls, you know, every so often to make sure that they still got it and, but they don't overdo it, you know, and then we're just, we slowly build up everything heading towards training camp in May. So do you ever chuck a dart at an unsuspecting victim at the gym? Hmm. I mean, I would love to, but, uh, no, I don't. Uh, I don't trust very many people to catch them because they do. They do. Humbly speaking, they do come back pretty fast. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I wouldn't uh, wouldn't ask a lot of people to try, but you know, the, the net does a pretty good job for now. But every so often, you know, knock on wood again, someone happens to uh, get caught in the crossfire, and 
maybe take one in the shoulder. And in college, I actually accidentally hit one of our wide receivers in the face and gave him a black eye. But ever since then, we've been really lucky, knock on wood. So <laughs> That's great, Mike. Well, appreciate your time tonight. Congrats again on the, the new deal. Enjoy your remaining night with the Grey Cup. And uh, best of luck as you try to get it back in your house again a year from now. Hey, thanks so much for having me. It was great, and you have yourself a great night. Well, thank you very much for listening to the CJOB Sports Show podcast. If you like what you heard, guess what? You can hear more every weeknight on CJOB from 6.30 to 9 p.m. Of course, that is when the Jets are not playing, because if the Jets are playing, then I don't have a show, but I'll be part of the pre- and post-game coverage anyway. Thanks again for tuning in. Subscribe if you'd like. We're available on iTunes and other places I'd imagine. So farewell. Until we meet again. Come on and thanks for all the fish. So sad that it should come to this. We try to walk.